Hey, how many of you guys were here last week celebrating seven years with us? Was that pretty cool or what? That was amazing how we had a good time, and I introduced a series called 5G um, in an effort to take us to the next level. Seven years, that's great, but now we want to move on. We want to press on to something bigger, badder, better than we've ever had as a church before. You're like, man, I've heard that before. Yeah, we kind of beat that drum all the time, right? It's like a never-satisfied church, right? We're so content in Jesus Christ, but it's kind of like this holy discontent with like, God still has work to do in my life until he takes me home. And so 5G is a seven-week series, and it's all about going to the next level in your walk with Jesus Christ. What does it take to be the next generation disciple of Jesus Christ? That, what does that take? And let's go after that, right? So we're going to be studying five distinctives over the next uh, several weeks. Uh, I said seven weeks. I know there's a discrepancy there, but the five distinctives, the five G's that we're studying are on the screen. Glorifying last week. You can go listen online if you missed it. Growing this week and then grateful next week. It's right before Thanksgiving. It's going to be great to get into gratefulness because that is huge. And then gracious and generous. And all this to prepare our hearts for weeks six and seven, okay? So you're like, it was a seven-week series, but there's only five Gs. What gives? That, that's kind of weird. I don't understand. Uh, well, I'll tell you why. Um, on November 11th, Brent mentioned it, we're having a commitment Sunday. 100% weekend. We want everybody to be here. We want everybody to be all in and committed. We're going to be taking up an offering that Sunday to try to raise money. You're like, raise money for what? I wasn't here last week. Well, if you weren't here last week, great announcement for you. Our building team has done a great job. Their, their work is basically finished, Lord willing. And uh, they looked all over for a building for us to get into, and uh, there isn't one. Like, I thought it was a great announcement. Yeah, well, we stopped our search for a building, and we started to look for land, and that was more um, profitable, let's just say. Even though land's expensive in Rochester, it's more available than buildings. And uh, they found a piece of property right off of 37th Street. More to come on that. And uh, we're just excited for the opportunity. When God gives us an opportunity to do something for him, really the question is how will we give together, work together, respond together uh, to see his glory, right? To grow this church, this body. So to be clear... um, Together, we need to give, this is our opportunity, we need to give $200,000. You're like, $200,000, that's a lot of money. Well, last year we gave $100,000 at the end of the year, so this year we're doubling that. We'll see how it goes. This is a step of faith, right? We're just, we as the elders have said, hey, we think that the church is ready. We think that we can raise this money. So if we raise $200,000, give $200,000. It's not really a fundraising campaign, just so to be clear. But it's above and beyond our regular tithes, so that's why it's like raise. That's why we say that word raise. If we bring in $200,000, we'll be able to buy a piece of property. It's $1.4 million, eight acres or so, right on 37th Street. And it will be, um, we'll be able to put down $500,000. We'll carry a $900,000 note on it, a loan, and... uh, our guys in the finance department have worked through it all. That, that we can do that. That we can we can handle that. So that's good. But what's our goal? Is our goal to be in debt for nine hundred thousand? No. That's what we need. 
right? Just to be able to do this and to walk forward. Our goal is sacrificial giving by all. Our goal is that everybody would make just a little bit different choice this fall than they maybe were expecting to because we all together have a great opportunity to do something pretty awesome for the Lord. Our goal is sacrificial giving by all. What, what would it be like if we raised 500000 or $1 million? What if we didn't have to take any debt out at all? That would be amazing. That would be amazing. And uh, we're just going to pray that everybody gives whatever God lays on their heart, and we're going to see what comes in, and that will be the clear next step, right? Whether we should go for it or not. So, But it's a huge opportunity. We're so excited about it. That's why we're in the 5Gs, to prepare our hearts So go ahead, more to come in the next couple weeks, but go ahead and open your Bible to Colossians 3. Did I say Colossians 3? 3 is my favorite number. How about we go to number 1? Colossians 1. And let's continue to grow so that we're ready to take it to the next level. The title of the message this week is A Growing Church. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever been in a church that didn't want to grow. I hope not. Churches want to grow. I mean, that's our mission, right? To go tell other people about Jesus and to see more people, and not just to grow so we get like really big and fat and ornery and cantankerous, like, but grow so that we can like send people out, so we can do more work, so there's missionaries, so it goes all, all across the world. We call those missionaries church planners because we believe the local church is the hope of the world. We want to grow. Clear? I mean, I don't think anybody's apologizing for that. We have a 10-year vision uh, I brought out uh, after we planted the church because I thought, we just need to keep growing. And uh, I'll reference that later. But um, you know, this is a document to keep us growing. And this book is a book to keep us growing. And so you're going to see it in Colossians chapter 1. Let's start in verse 3. Colossians 1 verse 3. A growing church, a church where, write it down, we learn to have faith in Jesus. We learn to have faith in Jesus. If you want to just write this word down, this will help you guide you through. The word salvation is a good word for the first point. A church where we learn to have faith in Jesus Christ. Where did you learn to have faith in Jesus Christ? Who did you learn it from? Why do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Why are you here? Why are you wanting more of that? These are good questions. Let's answer it from the text. Verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of, they heard of, your faith... Lots of verbs. Faith in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, and of the love, there's another verb, that you have for all the saints, because of the hope, another verb, laid up for you in heaven. Of this, you have heard, so they heard some stuff, Paul heard some stuff, they heard some stuff, what did they hear? Before the word of truth, the gospel, so they heard the gospel, Paul heard about their faith, hope, and love. The gospel which has come, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. It's growing. It's growing. As it 
also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace, there's another thing, the grace of God in truth. So you have faith, you have love, you have hope, you have grace, you have truth. This is the gospel. This is our faith. And what does he say there in verse 7? Just as you learned, underline that word learned in your Bible. Learned, you learned it from Epaphras, Epaphras, however you want to say it. Our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Much more about Epaphras in uh, chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. You can go read that later. This was the guy that came to Paul in prison and said, Hey, Paul, there's a church in Colossae. I know you've never been there, but here's what's going on there. And I'd like to tell you about it. He tells him about how they're growing in their faith and their love and their hope. He tells them how grace and truth have been preached and how things have been grown. But he also tells them about the pressures of the world. (laughs) Are we familiar with those? Anybody familiar with those? Anybody out there? I'm the only one that has a pressure from this world? Really? Come on now. The pressures of this world are real. And so he's telling them all this. We're not going to get to the pressures. That's in the last half, right? (laughs) But we're talking about the growing. And so I want you to get to the point. We learn to have faith in Jesus. We heard of your faith, love, hope, grace, and truth in the gospel, Paul says. You heard of the truth, the gospel, which is bearing fruit and increasing. And then he gets to this point in verse 7. He says, you learned it. You learned it. See, faith is learned. You learn how to have faith. Sometimes you learn by stepping out in faith. It's experiential. Sometimes you learn by reading the word. And it increases your faith. If you're saved, there was a day where, by faith, you embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's grace to you. It's also truth to you. I guess the question I want to ask you about this first point is, who's your uh, Epaphras? Who is it that told you about Jesus? Well, I heard about Jesus from Mrs. Armour, my Sunday school teacher, when I was in kindergarten. I heard about Jesus from Pastor Logan, my first pastor. I heard about Jesus from my parents. Praise the Lord, eh? I heard about him. But I think there's a difference between hearing and learning. And I learned about Jesus from some really godly people in my life. Mr. Daniels, who's not on the screen. Uh, My sister Cheryl. But then these three men here, um, Mr. Bean in the middle, it's not Mr. Bean, but that was funny, you should laugh. His name's Ken Rudolph, he's a very good speaker, and he was alive every time he spoke, and I was filled every time he spoke, and he still speaks at Lake Ann Camp where we take our teens, um, and I'm most blessed that they get to hear the same person that impacted my life in 10th and 11th grade. And then Ron Zappia, who's my senior pastor, and James McDonald, who many of you guys, 75 of you guys, are going to hear preach this week. 
at Vertical Church Conference. So grateful for these men who taught me the grace of God, the truth of God. I learned how to have faith in God, in Jesus Christ, through these people. Who did you learn from? And what, was, what should you do about that? Well, I want to submit to you, um, maybe write down who you learned it from. Recount who you learned it from. It's part of your story. It forms you. And then, and then maybe take some time this week to write them a note. To say, hey, thanks, thanks for being Epaphras in my, in, in my life, right? Thanks for sharing the gospel with me. I want you to know I learned from you. And I want you to know that I'm maturing, I'm growing in my faith, and I just didn't want to learn to have faith in Jesus Christ. I wanted to continue to be filled with Jesus Christ. That's the second point. The second point is we continue to be filled with Jesus Christ. We continue to be filled with Jesus Christ. Now, the word you could write over this point is sanctification. I know it's a big old word. That's why it's not the point. But for you guys that understand Scripture more, this will be good. Salvation, step one. Sanctification, step two. This is the refining of you on this ball called the earth, right? This is the, the, the trials of life. This is the times you read the Scripture and grow. This is the walk that you walk in Jesus Christ until you see Him face to face. We continue to be filled with Jesus. So let me see it uh, from, from the text there, verse 9. And so, from the day you heard, we have not ceased, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled, there's our word, underline that, with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you see it there again? Bearing fruit and increasing. This is a growing thing. Church, are we seeing this? It's a growing thing. I'm not making this up. It's like right there in the text. This is like progressing. It's getting bigger. It's going from step one to step two to step three. It keeps going. Add a little bit more. Add a little bit more. 4% out of my comfort zone today. One degree of glory change. Let's go. Verse 12 says, May you be strengthened with all power, dynamite, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks. What does it look like to be strengthened? Enduring. Filled with joy. Patient. But this last part kind of sticks out. Giving thanks. I think sometimes we're strengthened just because we're grateful. I'm going to talk about that next week. Gratefulness is the watershed moment. And I'm stronger when I'm grateful than when I'm like greedy. Why can't I have this? Why can't I have that? Why doesn't it like this for me? I'm so grateful God gave me what he gave me. God has me where he has me. I'm grateful. And that moment 
changes everything. And Paul right now goes into a diatribe of gratefulness. Okay, let me read it for you. This will just serve as our illustration of continuing in the faith, continuing to be filled in Jesus Christ. So he's trying to spur these believers on to continue in the faith, to be strengthened in the faith. Just, just as I read, just watch. Giving thanks to God the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered you from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Who's His Son? What's His Son's name? It's Jesus, right? In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now I know I didn't belabor this when I talked about salvation in the first point, but that's what salvation is. When you're saved, you're saved from something. That something is your sin. We're all sinners, okay? The verse we used last time, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. The wages of sin is death. I deserve to die because I'm not good. You're like, well, I'm pretty good. Uh, you got to check yourself on that because pretty good doesn't get you into heaven, right? You have to be perfect. You have to be perfectly good to get into heaven and to be around a perfectly good God. So how can that happen? It happens through Jesus Christ, the Son. God sent His Son to forgive our sin. You're like, how does He forgive our sin? Well, there was a blood offering. He died on a cross. That's called a sacrifice, a payment. That is salvation. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're like, bam! I know this. I've learned faith. But if you're like, hmm, well, then we'd like to teach you. We'd love for you to learn from us. Maybe your Epaphras is sitting in the aisle right next to you. Just ask them. I want to learn. Tell me more about that. And they would be glad to, as would I. He continues to Go on the glory train, the giving thanks train. Look at verse 15. This is some of the best um, passages, Scripture on Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in all of the New Testament. So let's just revel in this right now. Okay, Let's just like eat it all up. Paul's like, giving thanks, and we're like, getting full. <laughs> he, Jesus, the Son, who forgave our sins, if we ask Him, if we've learned faith. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything, Jesus might be preeminent. Now I lost you. What does preeminent mean? First place! Who's the most preeminent man in the world? What are you talking about? Are we talking about the 100-yard dash? Usain Bolt, right? Like, who's the first place? 
Well, he's on a diatribe not about any man that walked the earth other than his son, Jesus Christ. Paul's talking about his Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, in everything, Jesus must have first place. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things. He's trying to save you. He's trying to forgive you. He's asking you to come to him. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. That was the sacrifice. Let me just throw this on the screen. I wrote it down this way. I think it just sums up what we're talking about here. We are fully pleasing to God when he is in first place. We are fully pleasing to God when he is in first place. If you're in first place in your life, I'm not sure God's like really pleased. If somebody else, your wife, your kids, your boss, is in first place in your life, I'm not sure God is fully pleased. I think he could be more pleased with you if he was where he deserves to be in first place. That's growing, isn't it? Trying to keep God at the forefront of our life trying to walk in here on a Sunday where the worship leader's been practicing all week and he's all amped up to sing and you're like, man, I don't know if I can do it. Right? Where the pastor's going, let's go church! And you're like, man, I don't know if I have it in me. And we're just exhorting you to put Jesus Christ in the first place. That's what we're doing today. We're just like, just, just take a little time, put Jesus Christ in the first place, lock him in there, walk out of here, and let him stay in that place. Continue to be filled with Jesus. That's what we're exhorting you to do. He gives thanks, and then he says this. Look at verse 21. He kind of circles back to like this whole salvation thing, and he, and he kind of tells their story. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind... Doing evil deeds. Anybody? It's like, raise the hands. Like, yeah, that's my story. Maybe you're here and you're like, how did you know I was thinking all those things towards you today as you speak? Like, well, the word of God is just clear and true. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you those words present you are going to be used later, so just make a highlight, make a, a note of these three, three things that he's going to present you. He's going to present you holy, he's going to present you blameless, and he's going to present you above reproach. These are some terms that we use of elders, right? These are some terms that we say, godly people look like this, holy, blameless, above reproach. Not sinless, but repentant, growing. Just make a note of those. I'll come back to them later. Holy, blameless, and above reproach before Him, before God. Verse 23. If indeed, if indeed, if, if, we're talking about if. Everybody say if. Tell your neighbor if. There's an if in the passage, it makes a difference. I think we kind of just get on the like, I'm saved, it's all done, 
I can go party now. I'm going to heaven. But there's an if here. And I'm not saying you can lose your salvation. We don't believe in that. But I think you could prove to all of us that you're not saved by living like the world. If indeed you continue, there's our word, continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope, the gospel that you heard and have now learned, right? Which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Strengthened, stable, steadfast, not shifting. These things are what a person who continues to be filled with Jesus looks like. These are the verbs, these are the words that Paul uses to describe a growing believer in Jesus Christ. They're stable. Are you stable today? They're steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that their labor is not in vain. They're strengthened in the Word and in the Spirit. That if is a big if, and I want to just say it really quickly. Um, You could go read this parable on your own, but it's one thing. I almost preached it this week, but I wanted it to be not a salvation message, but a sanctification message, if you get my drift. And so I wanted to focus on growing in Christ after salvation, not just getting to Christ through salvation. And uh, But go read Mark chapter 4. It's the parable of the sower, and he sows the seed. And the seed falls on this soil, and the seed falls on this soil, and the seed falls on this soil, and the seed falls. And I just got to give you the stats, okay? Let's just go by the Bible. Are you good with that? Everybody good with going with the Bible? Okay. Only 25% of the seed is healthy. A lot of people get saved. 25% of the people just reject it altogether. The next 25% of the people say, yep, I want it. They grow up really fast and then they fade away. It's happened in our church. It'll happen again. Don't let it happen to you, right? And then there's another 25% and that seed falls over here and the cares of the world and the trials and the hardships make me uneasy. And I just want to be like the world and I squeeze out of it. And I don't continue to be filled with Jesus. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. And then there's the 25% who bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. You go look at it, Mark 4, and interact with it. And which soil are you? Because we're talking about heart soil, right? We're talking about growing in Christ. We're talking about giving. (laughs) We're talking about all these things, 5G. Like, how's your soil? Go read that passage and, and interact with it this week. How's your soil? Back to this now. Um... Well, I'll say this, John 15 as well. John 15 as well. The parable of uh, Jesus, the vine, right? So you abiding in the vine, you continuing to be filled with Jesus is an important, uh, important passage. I think this is kind of funny. Uh, last week I asked you to read John 14 through 16. Hey, did I ask you to do that? 
And two weeks ago, I asked you to read John 14 through 16. Did, did I do that? Yeah, I did. Um, and, you know, sometimes I say a lot of words, and it's like, you know, not that meaningful at times. I understand. It's just one guy. It's no big deal. Um, but now I find it ironic that I'm now asking you to go read John chapter 15. It's almost like God is like, John 14 and 16, John 14 and 16, John 15. It's almost like God's been trying to tell you for three weeks to go read John 15. Are you listening? Are you learning? Are you continuing in the faith? steadfast, immovable. And he adds this last kind of S. He adds suffering. So I hate it. I know you hate it too. I'm in a bit of pain today um, as well. Um, So suffering's a real thing. I understand. Emotional, mental, physical, all of it. Verse 24, back to our text. Now I rejoice in my sufferings. You're like, you're a nut job. Like, what's wrong with you? He's in prison and he's saying this. You've got to be outside your mind. Or you have to have an eternal perspective. Let's choose that. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. Now, he's not saying Jesus didn't like suffer enough to save us, okay? Let's just be clear with that. What he is saying is Jesus suffered, but that wasn't the end of suffering. Paul filled up more of the suffering. You're filling up more of the suffering in Jesus' name. Until Jesus comes back, there's going to be suffering. And then he's going to wipe every tear away. And there will be no pain. And there will be no suffering. And when Jesus comes back, that will be true. But not today. Right? Not right now. I could feel the pain now. But someday, there will be no pain. So again, part of continuing to be filled with Jesus is to be steadfast, stable, strengthened, and even suffering for the name of Jesus Christ and for the body of Jesus Christ. So what does it look like for us to give something to the body of Jesus Christ that will hurt us at home? What does it look like for us to sacrificially give? This is going to hurt my pocketbook. I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do for Christmas. I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do this year. But you know what? There'll be a church on 37th Street that people will drive by 100 years from now and it will change their life. And it changed yours for a week or three months. It'll change theirs forever, for eternity. And I don't want to downsize with the changes in your life because it'll change you too. You're thinking of eternity in eternal things versus physical things. And that's growth for you. It's so important. All the way around, this is a great opportunity to suffer for the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which He has given to me for you. I have this box in my Bible to make the Word of God fully known. We want to make the Word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G, all the generations, but now revealed to his saints. All right, so let me just sum up this point this way. 
This is about the church. This is about the church growing. So I didn't want to preach from Ephesians, but a great passage is Ephesians chapter 4. Let me share it with you. Ephesians 4 says this, rather speaking the truth in love, which I'm trying to do today, we are to grow up in every way into him, Jesus, who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, look around, the whole body, is this everybody? No, some people didn't make it today. Even more than this, and what about the other churches in town that are preaching the gospel? What about the universal church? The whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Do you want to know what? It's equipped with you, David. It's equipped with you, Jeremy. It's equipped with you, Nicole. Like you're a joint. You're holding it together. You're a ligament, right? Nobody wants to bust a knee and have ACL surgery, right? Don't blow out. Don't blow out. Be stable. Be steadfast. A joint for which you, it is uh, equipped when each part is working properly. It's such a body illustration. When your parts are working properly, it's awesome. When they're not working properly, it stinks. Do you know that? Makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. The body actually grows itself. We're going to grow ourselves. Because we love each other and we love the world. And we want to tell them about Jesus. We're right on target today. Let me get after these points again. First one, a church where we learn to have faith in Jesus. Did you notice that they heard the gospel? In that first point, they heard the gospel. They learned the gospel from Epaphras. And then second, a church where we continue to be filled with Jesus. Did you notice in that second point that he was preaching the gospel again and that he was almost preaching it to himself? It was like Paul was saying to himself, I'm in prison, but I serve amazing Jesus. So you hear the gospel, you learn the gospel, but you also preach it to yourself. That's part of your maturity. You know, you're going to go out there and it's going to be hard and then you're going to have to like preach the gospel to yourself. And once you've preached it to yourself long enough, then you're going to start preaching it to others. And that's this next point. We teach everyone to be mature in Jesus. We teach everyone to be mature in Jesus. Look at verse 27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is... What is it? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me put that on the screen. You should write that down in your notes. Christ in you. Are you filled with Jesus Christ? Because that's the hope of glory. Has he entered your life? Have you invited him in? Is he king on the throne of your heart? Not just like a sideshow. Something you, like a rabbit's foot, you pull out of your pocket every once in a while, rub it a little bit. Will you do what I want, God? No, no, no. Like Lord and master of your life. Filling you from head to toe with his spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28. 
Him, Jesus, we proclaim. I, I wrote teach, but you could have put preach. That's the word herald. Warning everyone. Sometimes we've got to warn people. Admonish them. Don't do that. And teaching everyone. Sometimes we've got to teach people with all wisdom. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. There it is. Present everyone. Present everyone holy, blameless, above reproach. Verse 22. Present everyone mature in Christ. That's what it looks like. It's synonymous. Maturity looks like holiness, blamelessness, above reproach. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. There's a toil. There's a struggle to this maturity. It's not easy. It's hard to suffer. It's hard to be stable. It's hard to be strengthened. It's hard to be steadfast. I'm not saying it's easy. He says it's hard. Tell your neighbor it's hard. It'll help them. It's hard. But you have a living God inside of you. He says, I toil and struggle with all His energy that He powerfully, dynamite, works within me. Just rest in God. He'll blow it up. He'll show you His power. Maturity isn't about trying harder, although it is about toil and struggle. The toil and the struggle is not about trying harder. The toil and the struggle is in dying to self and living to Christ. That's the hardest thing today for me. It's like, I could try harder all day. But it's when I stop trying so hard to do it myself. That's the toil. That's the struggle. When I just rest in Him and go, God, please do it for me. That's harder. That's harder than trying to do it myself. Is being patient and enduring and finding joy in that and giving thanks in that when it's not exactly what I want it to be right now. Some other words about maturity. The point is we teach everyone to be mature in Christ and Jesus. We teach. That's a mature thing to do. You teach, right? And you teach faith. You want to teach people faith. You teach filling. You want to teach them to be continually filled. And you teach maturity, right? That's the third step. You want to teach them all of that. In order to teach maturity, you're going to have to be mature. That's what we're all progressing for. Um, let's just write this word down. It would be a good thing over this point, glorification. You may not be mature until you see Jesus Christ face to face. Are we all good with that? I think people want me to be utterly mature. I do too. That comes at glorification. Right now I'm in the sanctification phase. I'm sorry. Your pastor's being sanctified. I'm not glorified yet. Don't expect that of me. I don't expect that of you. Okay? Don't expect that of your small group mates. They don't expect it of you. Praise God. But they expect you to be on the sanctification train and they expect you to be growing. We teach. That's about as mature as we're going to get. 
Everybody be mature. And it's like this thing we can't grasp and we're trying to communicate it. It's like out there and I'm like, I want to be all of these things that Jesus says. And by grace, one day I will be. Someday. So you might ask, what does maturity like, look like in the church? Go ahead. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks for picking up on my little hint. I'm not going to read the rest, but chapter 2, 1 through 5, and then verses 6 and 7 encapsulate it, tell you more. Um, I'll just sum it up to you in a few words, and you can write them down, and then you can go read it for yourself. Stick together. That's what mature people do. They stick together. The words are unity and love. We have unity and love. We stick together. Stick together. Stay close. Unity, maturity, stay close. Stay close in Christ. Stay close to Christ. If you stay close to Christ and I stay close to Christ, we'll be together. (laughs) Stay close to Jesus Christ. That's what maturity looks like. And then this, stand up. Stand up for the truth. Firmness of your faith in Jesus. Stand up for the truth. That's what maturity looks like. You know when somebody's saying something about your God that you don't particularly appreciate, you can lovingly say, well, I don't believe that. I believe this. Lovingly. If the Spirit leads. To sum it up, verses 6 and 7 of chapter 2 say this, Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, learned Him, right? The Lord, so walk in Him, continue to be filled in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, teaching the maturity, just as you were taught, somebody taught them, who? Paul, he was mature, abounding in thanksgiving. I've said so much. I want you to turn over to Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Turn over to Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. We're going to just wrap it up. We're going to put a bow on it right now, okay? This is your growth plan. You want to leave church with a plan? Here it is. I'm going to give it to you right now. You're going to have a growth plan. There's three things in your growth plan. Everybody hold up three. Three things in your growth plan. Three. One is study it. Two is obey it. Three is teach it, okay? You'll see it from chapter 7, verse 10, Ezra 7.10. I just want to point out to you that it says in verse 6, For the hand of the Lord his God was on him. There was favor. And look at verse 9. For the good hand of his God was on him. There's something about God choosing us. He's got us here, doesn't he? And he's got his hand on us. We're believers in Christ. He's given us so much. We should be thankful. And But why? There's a part to our human thing here too. Let's do this. For Ezra had set his heart. Do you see it there? Ezra had set his heart to study, number one, the law of the Lord. To do it, that's obey it. And to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Your plan for growth this week is to study God's word. Is to obey it. And to go teach it to others. That's your plan. And if we all grow in that way, we are going to be a healthy, vibrant, vertical church for the glory of God our Father. And people are going to see a city on a hill from far and wide, and it's going to change in 
radically revolutionized this city and maybe even this state and this country for Jesus Christ's name. That's why we're here, right? That's why we're preaching the gospel. Because he's first. He's preeminent. He's the first place. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for everything that you give us. To comfort us, to establish us, to grow us. We love you. We love you back, God. We're, we're now setting our focus on you as we walk out these doors. We want to learn from you. We want to continue to be filled by you. We want to teach others maturity in you. So would you make us mature? In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, I pray. Amen.